0: Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Our text of scripture for this morning comes from the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and we'll be spending a good deal of time in the Gospel of Luke this fall. And in this text, it's the calling of Simon Peter, to discipleship. I invite you to listen for God's word for you. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the lake shore. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little way from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the crowds from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night long and have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken, and So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for now you will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Will you join me in prayer? And so, gracious Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You know, it's no secret these days that getting people to volunteer for anything is more difficult than it used to be. People just don't join or sign up for things like they used to. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about joining a country club or the church, whether you're talking about joining a civic organization like Rotary International or the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Getting people to volunteer for anything is more difficult today. I mean, it's easy enough here at church to put out an SOS we need more teachers for Sunday school. Or we need volunteers to visit the homebound. Or we need leaders to go on a retreat with our middle school students. But even when you put an ad in the Community Connections newsletter, rarely do people line up to sign up. It's necessary, but it's insufficient. If you want to volunteer, you're going to have to recruit volunteers. That means personal contact. A dozen phone calls or visits will produce a greater percentage than an announcement in the newsletter. And that goes out to thousands. You need a specific request for a specific task, and then people will step up to the plate. Sometimes unexpected people get involved. Sure, that's true. Sometimes you get a polite maybe. And then others will say that they'll sign up, but then they don't follow through. But every once in a while, when you're recruiting volunteers, you get pure gold. And somebody says, you know, I've been waiting for a chance to serve Christ and the church. Nobody's ever asked me before. So the story in Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus, who's been working alone with great success, by the way, I mean, everybody was amazed at what he was doing, and great crowds would gather to hear what he had to say. But now he's looking for a few good people to assist him. Peter and his business partners had been working all night trying to catch something, and they came up empty. Now, I suspect anybody who has ever worked in sales knows what that feels like. In fact, somebody once said that the whole reason for daytime television is for salespeople who can't handle one more rejection. We're all fishing for something. Sometimes we come up empty. It can be kind of discouraging. You may remember in another fish story in classic American literature, In the story, Moby Dick by Herman Melville, Father Maple enters the chapel, drenched by the raging storm outside. This week, we've all watched the raging storm on the East Coast, and many of us have been in touch with family there, making sure they're safe. Slowly, Father Maple removes his wet overcoat hat and boots and quietly approaches the pulpit. It's described as a lofty one. And since regular stairs would have taken up too much room in the space available, a side ladder, like those on board a ship, is used to get into the pulpit. To steady oneself as you climb the ladder, there are rope railings provided. So Father Maple stops briefly before ascending the ladder to deliver one of the most famous sermons in American literature, a sermon about Jonah and the whale, one of the most famous fish stories in the Bible. In the description of this pulpit, Melville describes it as looking like the bow of a ship. What could be more full of meaning, he writes, for the pulpit is ever this world's foremost part. All the rest comes to its rear, the pulpit leads the world, he writes. Yes, the world's a ship on its passage out and not a voyage complete, and the pulpit is its prow. You get this sense in Melville's Moby Dick of the influence of the church and preaching in American history. And the Word of God still has power, when preached faithfully. One of the most enduring images of the church is the ship, a boat, a place of safety from the storm. We speak of fellowship within the church, and it literally means a connection with those who are on the same vessel. As I've said before, this sanctuary is designed to look like an upside-down ship. Provide safety, passage in the midst of the storms of life. And not only has the church understood itself to be a ship making its way through history, it's also been given a task to seek out and to retrieve those who are lost. Not to seek its own safety primarily, but to fish. To seek out and find those who are floundering in the sea of life and get them in and on board this ship. So the story of Peter's calling to discipleship that's retold here in the New Testament provided Melville and others with an understanding of the role of preaching and discipleship in service to the Church of Jesus Christ. Simon Peter, the disciple, receives the call to ministry in this text, and he leaves behind one kind of fishing for another. So apparently fishing and ministry have a great deal in common. I guess we're all fishing for something in life, We're all searching for something that we haven't yet landed in our boat. We still yearn for something more, something deeper and richer, some greater experience of life, something more significant, more fulfilling than we've known. We seek to be at peace with ourselves. We seek to be at peace with God. But like Peter, we all know what it is to search all night and to come up empty. I think the point of this text is not that Jesus helps Peter and us to more productively search for meaning in life. The real point is that meaning comes when we finally respond to the Lord of life who makes a claim on us. In Jesus Christ. The fulfillment of God's will. Waits upon our will to choose him. Above all else. So Jesus in this encounter breaks the pattern of Peter's life. And then invites an embrace of a different kind of destiny that's unrealized in Peter's life. Peter moves from being an observer to being a participant in some unfolding drama that God's invited him into. And we're invited to embrace a different destiny as well by this same Lord. Now Luke's gospel is the only one that tells This story of Peter coming to faith and being changed by Christ in the same way. Matthew and Mark, they tell the story as if one day Jesus is just walking by the lake and says, come and follow me. And Peter and James and John just leave their boats and their nets and their families. And they did just that. They went and followed him. And John's gospel tells a story differently about a miraculous catch of fish that's at the end of the gospel. It's not Peter's call to ministry, but his rehabilitation following his denial where there's this miraculous catch of fish. But here in Luke's gospel, Peter is invited to go deeper. He'd worked all night fishing, He comes up empty and Jesus tells him, throw your nets into the deep. And he did it. He didn't argue with him. There's some mild reluctance. Look, there's no fish out here. I've been out here all night. His experience told him this was going to be fruitless. He protested mildly, but he concluded Jesus sounds like he knows what he's talking about. So he trusted him enough to take some action. To respond to what God was calling him to do. He suspended what he knew in order to try something he must have thought was going to be a fool's errand. And it's interesting to note that in the telling of this story, the calling of Peter and the first disciples, Luke uses the same Greek word for deep water that's used in Genesis chapter 1 in the Hebrew, which refers to that primeval sea over which the Spirit of God moves at the time of creation. That unfocused sea that personifies chaos, but becomes harnessed when God speaks. So Peter, who spent fruitless hours in the chosen profession of fishing, against the forces of chaos trying to eke out an existence, now encounters the one who speaks and brings order to the chaos and invites his participation, though he feels unqualified, his participation in the fishing industry that becomes the church of Jesus Christ. Now, the fact of the matter is we're not all called, like Peter, to preach. But we are all called to leave behind our anxious and our fruitless fishing for ourselves. We may not be called to give up our livelihood like Peter, but we're called to listen to this Lord and respond to the invitation of Christ and allowing Him to get into our boat, into our lives. And then respond when he tells us, even when we think we know more than he does, about how it is we should live. We may not all be called to be evangelists, but we can take our place in this vessel, this vessel that's plowing its way through history, known as the church. We can have fellowship with one another We can listen for God's word to us, and we can join together in the search for those who are floundering in a sea of chaos. We can invite them to join us here. It's not that we're more qualified than they are. We have simply found a ship that's seaworthy here. And it provides a safe passage through the storms of life and over the deep waters of chaos. And there's a captain here in Jesus Christ who guides us forward. The truth is, life can overwhelm any of us. But God's greatest gifts are not beyond our reach. Through our own efforts, we might come up empty, but the Lord can show us how to throw out our nets into the deep and go deeper in our faith. We may have concluded there are no fish in this lake that I'm in. I need a better fishing hole. I I, I need to be part of a better family than this one I'm in. I need a different partner or spouse than the marriage I'm in, or I need a different community than the one I live in, or I need a different church that's more faithful, or I need a different job. It may be that all you really need is for the Lord to show you how to cast your net deeper right where you are. This life of faith requires that we go deeper into the mystery of living, leaving behind those kind of easy explanation and superficial understandings. I mean, you you can only take motivational speakers so long. Jesus once, to a group of discouraged fishermen, said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. the problem is you're playing it too safe in the shallow water. Don't be afraid of the chaos. I bring order to chaos. It's life unharnessed and unfocused. It's pointless, meaningless, frenzied. It's force. It's power. It's just formless and void. Put out into the deep. Because the deep is where life is. And though reluctant, they let down their nets and they hauled in so much it was about to swamp both their boats. Now some years ago, Douglas John Hall wrote about the distinction between causes and reasons for Christian faith. Causes... Include the fact that we were born in America in the 20th century. Many of us were originally caused to be Christian by our families and the culture in which we grew up. But causes are not enough. Douglas John Hall writes, It takes more than social conditioning to make people Christian in any genuine and lasting sense of the term. And I think we all know that those who were caused to be Christian are leaving the church in great numbers as the 21st century begins. Fewer and fewer people find inherited Christianity reason enough to stay Christian. Peter's faith was not caused by his cultural surroundings. He had a reason for his faith. In his own experience, Peter responded to the urging of Christ to go deeper and to trust in Him. Now, quite possibly, God in Christ is inviting you to do the same thing today, to explore the reasons for your faith instead of the causes, and to trust in the Lord to show you where you might begin to direct your efforts To some more productive living. So launch out into the chaos of life that frightens you. And put down your nets. You may just find a reason, like Peter, to say, Lord, I'm not a religious person. But I am tired of coming up empty time and time again. And I don't want to miss your greatest gifts. Show me, Lord, how to fish. And show me how to take my place in this vessel known as your church. It's the only seaworthy vessel that can handle the deep. We begin our stewardship campaign this Sunday and over the next several weeks you'll have a chance to consider how you might invest your own time and talent and treasure here for the sake of Christ. But it's about much more than raising money for the church to operate. It's about what reason is at the center of your life So let it get personal with you and go deeper. In the name of Christ, thanks be to God. Amen.